if I'm going to goof off, like one thing I, I like to think of is like when I start to, when I catch myself goofing off, I actually right. move where I am. I go away from my desk. Like okay. I force myself, oh, if I'm going to goof off, I got to go sit over there. Okay. Right. Cause then, cause then it's like, I'm training myself to know, oh, I'm not working. Okay. Cool. I'm goofing cool. off right now. I'm not making any progress. So then, so then when I sit down at the desk again, it's like, okay, progress, you know, awesome. and then, oh, I start to goof off. It's like, oh, you know, what space could I move into over there, over here, you know, to just not be in that same space so that my workspace doesn't become a goofing off space. Welcome to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. My name is Chris Thompson, your host of the show and the head coach of the Student Works Management Program. This is a show dedicated to young and ambitious entrepreneurs and ultimately the leaders of tomorrow. Each week, we will bring you an inspiring interview or message to help you create the future you know you deserve. Let's get started. Hey, leaders. Really excited to be bringing Patrick Lalonde back to the show. We are going to do a deep dive into your environment. This is something that you good chance haven't really thought about. No, we're not talking about the physical environment. We're not talking about climate change. We're talking about the structures and systems and things in your life that support you being a powerful leader or stand in your way, you know, make it difficult for you to. Okay. So this is a really, really wonderful podcast. Uh, we spent a bunch of time here. It's worth the deep dive. You're going to learn things. We've, we've given you some tasks to do as well uh, to sort of take away and make your environment powerful. Okay. If you know some amazing leaders, share this podcast with them. Share what we're up to. Share what we're up to about creating amazing leaders. And uh, if you know someone that wants to be a leader, uh, is looking for an incredible program to join, shoot me an email, chris at leaderspodcast.ca. Have a super fantastic day. Thanks so much. Well, Patrick, welcome back to the Leaders of Tomorrow podcast. I'm uh, glad to be back, Chris. Always fun to have these uh, sort of evergreen conversations with you. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so we've decided to dig into environment. And my take on environment is it's a very, very hidden thing to most people, to high performers, not hidden at all, to just the average person. They really haven't considered how powerful the environment is on their success. They haven't thought about all the ways that environment impacts their success. So one of the things that we're going to do in today's podcast is talk about really down to nitty gritty tactics and and ways that the environment can and as a result best practices but before we get that we, i know we wanted to have a conversation about just how powerful the environment is so pat what do you, what do you, what are your what are your thoughts about that yeah it's funny because i've always liked to think of your environment like what's all the things that surround you and I was trying to think, like, what's the best way that I could explain sort of the relationship between the individual and their environment and how it's going to either, you know, drive their success or drive their failure or drive like what works and what doesn't work essentially yeah. in their life. And what I kind of boiled it down to is it's very much like a symbiotic relationship between the two. Right. So you've got this person who really like as an individual, you have an incredible amount of 
like impact on your environment. You get to choose to a certain extent, you get to choose where you live, you get to decorate it, organize it, make it a certain way, you know, so on and so forth. You get, you do have a lot of choice and control over, you know, what your space is going to look like, feel like how clean it's going to be, what it's going to do for you, what's going to be in that space, whether it's going to be organized or disorganized, how the colors and that's like every part of your environment, you have a way of impacting. Yeah. And then as a result, but then like at the same time, while you're impacting the environment and you're kind of designing and creating it, it's also kind of feeding back and impacting you. So it's kind of this continuous like exchange between you and your environment where you're going, I I can make this thing better or worse. Like I can do my bed in the morning or not. And then your environment and what's around you actually feeds back to either helping you achieve whatever goals you've set out for yourself or standing in the way of you achieving those goals. Yeah. yeah. So it's a really interesting sort of dynamic between, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? And it's both, you know, it's like you're there doing it, but then it's also feeding back and helping you do more of it and kind of build off. Well, as you speak of this, some things pop to my mind, Pat, you know, Jim Rohn, a famous uh, speaker, author, he helped train Anthony Robbins, uh, influencer, but he talked about if you look in the best homes, you know, most expensive homes, there's a thing called a library. And so that actually, that the idea of a library and that you have all sorts of books there is an environment that creates more learning. One of our really successful alumni, I don't want to name him, uh, but very m- one of the most successful alumni we've had is years ago, he built an unbelievable home overlooking just, you know, mountains and, you know, just gorgeous, gorgeous space. And he believed when he did that, and it was a stretch for him to do that, he believes that that really set him up to actually think bigger, you know, because the view that he had and the space that he had was just next level. And so, so that environment created another space. And so, you know, we live in a wonderful environment um, and that we built about, you know, 10 years, 12 years ago. And so we overlooked acreage and that, you know, when we did that, he went and said, Chris, you're going to see an enormous growth in how you see the world because of what's been done. You know, and, and again, it was like, uh, that's actually what we've seen. Now, was that why, you know, well, no, if you just build a house and you don't act differently, if you, but, it, but it feeds, the environment feeds who you are, how you're setting up your life, what you're about. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I think like there's so many things that I, that I look at and just even thinking of like setting myself up to, to work really effectively in a given day. I always look at my environment and, you know, one thing I noticed and you're kind of speaking of views in a certain way, like, you know, what you look at every day. Yeah. But I remember in my case, it was actually, I just noticed something. I I had a house in Vanier before and it was a smaller house. It was an older house really big. So it had these small windows. Right. And I I didn't think much of it at the time because I bought it when I was 18 or 19 years old. Like I I was just really didn't know, never bought a house before. Didn't really have, you know, a lot of specifications (laughs) of what I was looking for. Yeah. So, but one thing I noticed living there is I had made myself an office. The office was at the back of the house 
And it was a perfect size office. It had everything. All my stuff was really well organized. And it just had this one tiny little window. Yeah. No light coming in that, that office. Yes. Yeah. In, in about 10 years of, of living there, or maybe it wasn't eight years of living there, something like that. I think I worked two days in that office. Oh, isn't that interesting? And yeah. I spent 100% of my time working at the dining room table. Yeah. And then I started wondering, well, why am I always, you know, what, what's wrong with my office that I hate being in there so much? And I yeah. realized my dining room table faced a huge window yes. with lots of light coming in. And my office had, you know, no natural light. And it yeah. just kind of clicked for me one day. I went, oh, I just want to be in front of natural light. Like I want some light coming in. I want to be in a well lit room, lit but area. like sun, yeah. sunlight, not, yes. you not, know, not artificial light. Overhead. Yes. Yeah. Like you're in right now, Pat. <laughs> like I'm in right now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's, that's right. yeah. I obviously, you know, realized that and then set myself up in my next office. I set it up facing a big window and then mm-hmm. it's like, oh my God, I want to be here way more. Yes. I can look outside. There's sunlight coming in. You know, it's, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. But compare that with what I had before. And, you know, before I would have literally gone, you know, oh, that doesn't matter. That's not that yeah. important. I've yeah. got all everything I need and it's a well-lit room. Why would I care? Yeah. Thought back to now that we're talking about this, I think back to my parents' place where my desk was when I studied facing a window. Okay. Yeah. So maybe it's even something I learned as a kid that, you know, maybe it was something I was used to without realizing it, or maybe it's just natural. I think it's natural and something we yearn for. And by the way, as well, I also want to let people know that you can have a lot of success in your life without that. I remember, you know, we lived in North Toronto and space is at a premium. And one of the offices that I had was literally, I think a six by eight space. I had a one foot desk and it was up against a wall. There was no natural light. And, you know, we created a lot of, you know, amazing stuff from that room. So it's, it's not like that's, that, that's, oh, that's the only way we can have success, Pat, is we have natural light. Of course not. And there's no question that an environment matters, you know, yeah. and there were things that I did in that environment that made it work. And we're going to talk more about it, but there are things, um, you know, feng shui, it is a, a concept of the Japanese that, that sort of has things believing that there's different ways to set up a room that make life work better, you know, in directionality, et cetera. And I haven't studied it, but I'm aware of it. My wife, who's an interior designer, has, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm, but just having too much furniture in a space, all these types of things, again, serve the workability of the area that you're working or take away from. And, um, you know, again, uh, you know, pictures, you know, happy pictures, you know, pictures of people. Those are things that, again, serve that your, your environment, you know, again, what, what's coming at you happy things coming at you. Um, you know, I, you know, I hope, <laughs> you know, what, why do we have unhappy things coming at us? Right? Yeah, no, we, we certainly the why, why have anything bad coming at us when we can have good things coming at us? 100%. Yeah. But it's, it's really seeing how the environment is a, is a very rare for a lot of people. First of all, they may have good environments and it's kind of just something they created rather than wow, I'm really going to create a great environment, really going to make sure everything's set. And again, this is something as well that has become more and more conscious to me over the years. And there's no question that it's, that it's something we focus more and more on. And 
my success and my contribution has grown as a result. And, and again, is it directly tied? Of course not, but it's a really big impact. And it's obviously, that's why we're bringing that to the leaders of, of tomorrow today and our leaders. Yeah, I think the way to really look at it is environment is going to make you successful or it's not all of a sudden yeah. going to be like, oh, I got out of bed this morning and because my room was clean, I, I was like a million times more motivated to work. It's a lot more subtle than that. Mm-hmm. But the difference is still, it's still like, you know, looking at a master chef versus somebody who's never cooked before, you're going to see that when they're cooking, it's very organized. It's very clean. It's got, there's, there's very much a method to what they're doing. And so the environment around them is very well organized, very well laid out. And it, it, you know, obviously promotes just a better result, which is, you know, a better end dish because there's, you know, less likelihood of them making a mistake, blah, blah, blah. So it's all, all of your environment is if you kind of consider yourself to be a master chef in that way, like if you're, you know, kind of using that analogy is it's that thing that's either helping you or hurting you, but it's not, it's not the determining factor. It's just a five, 10, 15% boost or, you know, a 20, 10, 15, 20% deduction Hammer. from, yeah. yeah, yeah, from what you're able to do, but still able to do great things. It's just if we start to be intentional, and I think that's what this podcast is going to be all about is identifying areas where people can start to be more intentional about creating the environment that they actually want and helping set themselves up. And I think it's also, you know, a podcast where people can start to confront areas of their life that aren't working. Right, because right. because we're gonna go through sort of like common areas of of people's lives, common things in people's environment that don't work or that actually hamper them, and so this is an opportunity for people to start to go, you know, yeah, I do see that in myself. Yeah, like sometimes I've set myself up poorly in this region of my life, and I can go and and rearrange this. But it's about being intentional and actually going and starting to do those changes and make the change in your environment because you know, you're one of the few sort of mammals on the planet as a human being that can really completely transform their environment. Like you, like we're one of the few people that get to do that. We're in charge. And yeah, I loved your master chef example. I had the opportunity to be a facilitator for a group of incredibly successful cardboard box and design makers across North America. Okay. And so, uh, and that was through an alumnus, Rick Eastwood, who's been on our podcast and he brought me in to facilitate his group, massively, massively successful people um, in businesses. And so I went to plants across North America to facilitate these meetings. And these plants were like, you could eat from them, floors, like they were so clean. They were so organized. Every tool had a place. Everything had a system and a process. And it was so systemized, so process-driven. It was unbelievable watching uh, how these plants worked. Uh, Well, sorry, not all of them. Some of them weren't as good as others. It was really fascinating. And I'm sure not as profitable, not as successful, but it was really, really neat. And and again, a powerful example of environment and uh, that that really supported these highly, highly functional uh, businesses. So, so just one final, final example. Yeah. I love that thought too, to think about a, a cardboard box company. It's not like yeah. cardboard boxes are, are, it's not like they're a food processing plant yeah. and yet they have the cleanliness of a food processing plant. Like you oh. look around and 
and it's it's the, that like impeccable floor that you're talking about or yes. just yes. everything being super organized when when i think of like you know a cardboard box factory what comes to mind is is quite messy you know i'm not well, imagining well, something clean and concise and well put together and it's not surprising though that the people you're describing you know i know in this case are one of the 50 best managed firms in canada yeah so and and he's got the cardboard box plant and then the really really high end display business and so that you know first of all the environment creates greatness and then if you want to bring Wrigley or you want to bring you know the 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 biggest uh, Unilever into your plant and have the senior people go whoa got it right it's just like boom the environment's perfect it's like this is just so incredible and you know millions of dollars in in um, machinery, and again, if you got if you're investing in millions of dollars in machinery or tens of millions of dollars in machinery, then you better have it all set up properly to get the best possible return. So everything feeds off each other. So yeah, it's really really uh, neat. So that's kind of the highest level, the best chefs in the world, the best plants, the best manufacturing facilities. Yeah. What about our environment? You know, and I know as well. Before we wanted to jump in there, you also want to touch a little bit on mental health. Just kind of the, the the loop there. Yeah, no, I'm glad you brought that up too, because I think the idea was, and this is really about how our, our environment is is symbiotic to ourselves, and that ties into our mental health, right? Yeah. So you can see how having a better environment, so just literally like, and I'm not saying it solves by any means any problem. Of course. It's of course. almost like I look at having at your environment as like a thermostat for your mental health. But there's there's a feedback loop that gets created. So if you start having like if you start sort of not feeling as well, or you know you're kind of feeling in the the doom and gloom, then you're basically thinking about your biggest priorities usually. Like so you start you stop maybe you're worried about something, or maybe you're focused on studying, or maybe you're doing something that's like you're going oh my god this is this like crazy important thing I just need to put all my energy on that. And you let everything else fall to the wayside. Yes. Right. So a lot of times when people sort of start to feel sort of down, they yeah. they start to let everything fall to the wayside. And then I don't know if you've ever you know felt like when you're sort of feeling down because I've I, you know you kind of go through ups yeah, and downs. Sure. So I know when I'm feeling down, that's the first thing that happens. It's like you know some of my like stuff around the house starts to kind of fall out of order for sure. And I kind of let stuff slide and maybe I don't do the dishes and maybe I don't put stuff away as well and blah, blah, blah. And then when I want to start feeling better again, one of the first things that happens is I go, wow, I need to go and clean that up. And then I go and I just clean, 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 clean. And it's like, I almost can't start with feeling better Yes. or, you know, fully start feeling better until I've cleaned up my environment and sort of brought it back to a, a status where I'm acceptable where I consider yes. it like, okay, this is how I like to have things. So I kind of like to look at those two as being very connected. And a lot mm-hmm. of times, like, you know, the, they're not necessarily always causally linked, but there is a certain amount of it that, you know, all of a sudden you start to be stressed out, you let things slide, your environment starts kind of feeling like not as good, you know, it's, it, things are dirty, things are, and that definitely affects how you feel in a given day so one of the first places I like to kind of look at is, okay, do, do, can we clean up these messes? Like if yes. you're kind of feeling down, if you're, you know, uh, Jordan Peterson used to say it really well. He'd say like, clean up your room. That was always yeah. like his first thing is like, clean your room. Yeah. And it was just, 
it's kind of just like a, what's the word for that? Like a, like a statement. It was like meant to be more of a metaphor. Cleaning right. your room is like, get your own environment right. Then go to the next environment that you can, yes. you know, and kind of work at it in layers. So start with your room. Cause that's like a microcosm of you. Yes. Get that cleaned up, get that looking really good. Start to build, you know, good habits in how you take care of that and then grow that out to maybe your main floor of your house. And then, yeah. you know, your friends and family and this yeah. and that, and you just kind of grow it out wider and wider and wider. No, you're so right. I, I know Dan Sullivan of the strategic coach, one of the, the most successful leaders in the world of entrepreneurs. One of his, you know, key strategies I remember learning 15 years ago is cleanups. You know, just the idea that you go into a sock drawer and there's all sorts of socks and misshapen and not connected. Let's get those connected. You know, and then oh, there's a real feeling to great, you know, everything back in its place. And the reality is, of course, it works best when we're always putting things back in its place. But in the middle of the day, in the middle of things happening, it's, it's, it, it, you know, not always does that work. Not always are we putting things back into place. So it's like, oh, I've got my dish over here. I just had some fruit this morning. I had this. So, hey, when I go up upstairs to have, have a lunch break, I'll go up, I'll bring it up. I'll put things in the dishwasher. But there's levels of clean. There's levels of organized that sort of take place. But there's no question that cleaning up serves our mental health, serves our health, serves our physical health, serves the, the space that we're in. And it's really, really feeling that. And what I recommend for all of our leaders listening is, like, let's think, when things have been really messy, how have I felt? Okay, when things are really put together, how do I feel? You know, like people just naturally, they, they call spring cleanup, fall cleanup, right? People do a real deep dive in their houses. This is just what it's called to be human, it seems. Right. Yeah. People go and do that. Right. And oh, gee, maybe we're going to give something away. I, we're not using this anymore. Give this away, you know, to charity or, you know, you know, wow, we got to go fix this or, you know, like that's it's kind of interesting, the rhythms that we have in our communities. Yeah. And, and I, I wanted to even put in a little a little disclaimer here, because I know when, when you and I say cleaning up a lot of times, right. even just in our analogies and what we've been talking about, it sounded like we were just saying, like, you know, wipe down your countertops, do your dishes, things like that. Yeah. I want to take cleaning up to another level because there's so many areas of your life that you can clean up. And I know we're going to go through all of them, but right. you know, I wanted to talk about, cause we, we talk a lot about integrity in other yes. podcasts, right. And being yes. your word and clearing up your integrity where you haven't been your word and all of those things. And so I want to call that cleaning up in your relationship. Okay. Perfect. Everybody's got some messes, oh, yeah. like your relationships and the people that you, you interact with, that is either a clean environment or a dirty environment. And you've got some people that have a bunch of, you know, things that they haven't cleaned up with people, you know, conflicts that they've swept under the rug, you know, disagreements that they said, Oh, I'm just not going to talk to this person anymore. Yeah. Uh, you know, so on and so forth. And so many of those things they haven't cleaned up. So yeah. as much as we talk about like, and that becomes a messy kitchen in your relationships, all of a sudden your relationships, oh. rather than being a space where, you know, you can go and create anything, your relationships become like a messy kitchen that, oh, I can't use that stovetop because it's dirty. Oh, I can't <laughs> use any of these tools because, you know, we just let everything fester in them, you know, yeah. and now they're, now they're infected with mold or whatever, like, and you've got all this stuff. 
and that so that happens in your relationships that yeah. happens with your technology sure i used to have a uh i have a friend who her way of cleaning up her technology like when when she had too many texts was to or too many too much of whatever was to eventually just one day erase her entire phone like basically buy a new phone or reset the phone factory settings because you know in the day-to-day she wouldn't answer all of her calls she wouldn't check all of her voicemails she wouldn't answer all of her text messages so then over time it would just build up she'd have hundreds of unread text messages like emails like piled up to the the, the ceiling like just everything was all over the place and then one day she'd go oh my god it's too much she'd reset her factory her phone to factory settings just to to clear it all out and then just go you know like so you could just imagine like just the lack of integrity in that no kidding wow yeah like all the missed communications all the things like that were just kind of falling under the radar there and just the lack of workability. Like I just need to reset my phone because I because I didn't Cause take I'm not care of it. Contact. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. not not being in communication. And then oh, I get a insane. new computer. Great. I'm gonna reset it because I don't want to go and try to find my old files. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's I I just put everything everywhere. Now I have no idea where anything is. It's easier for me to just delete everything and start over. Yeah. But that's the same thing. It's like your your computer is an environment. Yes. That you're operating within. So keeping that organized. And then you've got like your spaces in terms of like visual spaces. And then you've also got yourself, how you're dressed, how you present yourself, your grooming, et cetera. You know, which is something I know I I even, I couldn't help myself. I even let that slide during COVID. I can't find a barber. Right. Right. Yes. (laughs) You know, so, but all of those things have you know an impact on it that's all part of your environment it's not just like your room or you know all that it's it's the people you're you're operating or you're it's the people and the relationships you have it's the technology that you're in the virtual environments it's the physical space you know so your your house your room your car what else am i forgetting anything here yeah well one of the things i thought is i know one of the things that you did in advance of this is is kind of just you know, let's walk through the list that we created and sort of talk through them. So I know, you know, like, I think, I think we've done a really good preamble and I hope people are energizing going, wow. Okay. Like I hope people are first of all engaged in, Hey, we're only talking about this because it really, 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 really matters, you know, and there's so many levels to it and we're going to go and try to take it apart. And then again, remember, I'm only doing this to develop leadership. Otherwise, I'm not just talking about something to fill another podcast. Like we're months ahead. So it's no concern about, about filling podcasts and finding amazing people for our podcast. I'm doing this because this, I want our leaders to really get this, that this matters for you. So one of the things is, is a workspace. So what's important? You know, a quiet place to work undisturbed. Unless actually, because Malcolm Gladwell, who's a best-selling author, loves to actually work in Starbucks or busy coffee machine, coffee shops, because he, he actually, he started writing at the, you know, New Yorker and he found a busy room actually helps him. But, you know, most people like a quiet space to work undisturbed. And, and even, you know, some people may like background music. I don't, you know, I don't like, I, you know, to me, it's like, you know, mostly I'm on the phone too. So, but anyhow, you know, so what about, what, what about you? I know you were going to say something. Pat. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought that up because 
you know, the quiet place to work on disturbed is so what I meant even when I, when I was kind of thinking about that, cause I, I wrote that down, not really consciously sure. thinking about it per se, but I was going, you know, okay, what, what are some of those things? Well, one of the things is working in the Starbucks. Yes, it's noisy. So it's, it's obviously not quiet, but the fact that it's noisy actually makes it quiet. Because what that noise does, because it's a constant background noise, there's yeah. nothing going on that you're actually listening to, right? It's not right. like there's, there's a, a TV show going on in the background and you're trying to follow the storyline in your head and as sure. to what yeah. they're saying. There's nobody coming and directly talking to you. It's just random strangers. So you don't really have disturbances. The background noise is something that can be the same as quiet. For, for sure. Yes. You know, I know in my case, whenever I do work that's not writing and, and coming up with like copy, basically, or coming mm -hmm. up with words, I always have music on when I'm working. Right. So I put that on because the music just kind of drowns out everything else and makes it easier for me to focus. Yeah, I know. And so I totally agree with that. I think the key thing is just making sure that there's no distractions. And what I mean by distractions is, there's not a TV in the room or you can't hear the TV in the other room. Maybe yeah. if somebody's got that no. or, you know, there's nobody walking in going, Hey, what's going on? Da, da, da. Sure. I'm trying to talk to you. Like if you're doing work in the living room and yeah. you know, you're like, I, I remember studying, you know, if you study in the living room, your brother's there. And then all of a sudden he walks in, Hey, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Oh, that was your day. Starts talking to you. And then you're like trying to study. And then, yeah. You finally, you know, okay, your brother leaves, then your parents come in and then they start talking to you and then yes. blah, blah, blah. that's not going to work. Yeah. yeah. Like that's, yeah. That, like that's not a, that's not a good situation. I know Michael Lewis who wrote Liar's Poker and uh, Moneyball. Uh, he basically has a list of, he has a music uh, that goes and flips through a, a whole number of music and, and it just rolls over and rolls over and rolls over and rolls over. And then that's what he listens to as he's writing the entire book. So he, he doesn't even recognize it. It's just the background, you know, but he's got earphones on so that again, he's there, he's writing, no one's bothering him and he's totally focused. So that, that's how, again, quote unquote, undisturbed can be, you know, that background noise, you know, yeah. so it's, and, uh, you know, also undisturbed, you know, I know you mentioned, you know, again, putting your, your phone on mute, you know, undisturbed. You know, a comfortable chair. I know uh, that's something that I I identified, uh, you know, pretty early on as being a really important key factor is, is go and invest in a comfortable chair just because you're sitting there a whole bunch. Now, again, get up and down, just that's healthy, but you still are sitting there a whole bunch. So have something that's comfortable, supportive, and in a good environment in that respect. Yeah, I can't like... I noticed it. I When, when COVID started uh, in 2020, we had... Um, like basically I was working from home in Montreal a lot more than I used to. It all of right. a sudden went from like two or three days a week at home to five days a week at home. And that's when I noticed is I, I started missing my proper office chair Yes, that I usually sit in because I was sitting on a kitchen table chair, which is yeah. just nowhere near the level of support and everything. And then, so I switched, you know, ended up getting my chair. I was like, Oh my God, this is so much better. So much better. Yeah. 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 It's not, a kitchen chair is not is meant to support you for an hour, hour and a half max. You know, it's not meant to support you for eight hours or ten hours or twelve hours as we work. Yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, exactly. So, so you know, and I love as well. You know, the idea of keeping your work separate, your work separate from you know relaxing areas, 
and I know as well, we're, you know, we're, we're talking to a group of young leaders here. So sometimes, you know, it's, it's difficult. Well, hold on. This is my work area. That's my relaxed area. It's, we're really in a small, small space, but as much as possible, right? And this is something as well we're moving towards too. I'll even give you an example here. It can be as uh, silly as saying like, okay, when I sit at my desk, I'm studying or like, and it could be in the same room, but just yes, having exactly. like, uh, I sit at my desk, my desk is for, you know, doing my studying, my work, my calls, what, you know, whatever it is I need to do for my business. And then over when I sit on my bed or when I sit on the couch, that's where I watch Netflix. That's where I, I go on YouTube. That's where I, you know, answer on my phone, but then yeah. specifically making it like when I'm at my desk, I never look at that stuff. Yeah. And I never watch Netflix at my desk and I never work in my bed. It's keeping the two very separate because what you don't realize is your body your physiology builds up a response to being in a certain environment. So if you're in an environment where you always work, it's a good work environment and you always do work there, then your body kind of knows when it's in that environment, it it knows what's expected of it, right? So it responds that way. But when you say, start to introduce, like sometimes you go on Instagram uh, when you're at your desk, Right. And then you spend some time on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, whatever, and and you kind of explore all those distractions. What ends up happening is your body associates that space with the reward of, you know, the 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 dopamine hits that come with those things, those video games, those things. So then you sit down and your body immediately starts to crave those dopamine hits because it's like, oh, we're gonna get that. We're sitting down at the desk. This is where we look at Instagram or Facebook or whatever, you know, and then then all of a sudden it's like, it's expecting it. So you actually start to feel wanting it just because you're sitting in that space. And that obviously does not, you know, make you very productive. It does not serve your goals, you know, yeah. you know, again, a great, great leaders want to accomplish a lot and contribute a lot. That's not going to get you there. So that's, that's kind of workspace. So maybe we could broaden it out to home, Pat, you know, how do you set up home in your mind? Well, so I'm even going to just extend what we were talking about to cool. the rest of the home, because okay. the, the same concept of this is why I don't want to be like like when I sit down in my in my office chair, I don't want to look at distractions because that's not going to work. Right. Uh, you also want to go the other way and look at well, when I sit down in my bed, I'm going to sleep, right? So that's one of the yes. big reasons they say don't watch TV in bed. Yes, is because it trains your body to wake up and watch TV when you sit in the bed, and then your but so your body doesn't know what to do. Yeah, and so it's a bad you know process for it because then you're not you're gonna have trouble falling asleep when you just lie in bed because your body's yeah maybe on hold on I want some visual stimulation here why isn't the TV on yeah and blah 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 so that's why like that's one thing like I keep the TV away from the bed and it's that same sort of like I'm making sure I'm as much as possible not blurring the lines of what is the function of what I'm here to do. So right. obviously, I, I also don't try to do a lot of work from my couch. But that right. being said, I do all my relaxing and my watching TV on my couch. And, you know, so it's like, I've got different areas and different areas actually have their function. And, and as much as possible, I try to avoid mixing the functions so that we're doing all this, you know, a bunch of different things in, in the same spaces. I know it sounds weird, but it really does have an impact on sleep quality, productivity, re- yes. quality of relaxation. Like when you have a space that you just 
don't work from and you're relaxing in that space, it's a lot more, it's a lot easier if you're a stressed out person that's always like thinking about work, thinking about what's going on. If you have areas where you're like, oh, when I'm over here, I never do work. That also really helps you go, oh, I'm in this space. And your body just kind of knows, oh, when I'm over here, I can relax. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And also as well, phones out of the bedroom. Again, if that's possible, you might be just living in a bachelor or in one bedroom. But anyhow, as much as possible, screens away because screens, screens, again, you know, don't support a sleeping environment. So, if you, you know, your bed is to sleep. So it's like we want to be able to go to sleep easily. So yeah. that's something. I got to tell you, I'm so guilty of that one too. Like, mm-hmm. like my phone comes out, it, it's, it's it, w- without knowing it, you know, over the last five or 10 years, I trained my body that bed means phone. Oh, and okay. I crave my phone. I notice my body craves my phone whenever I go to bed. Like oh, if cool. I'm about to go to bed or waking up, the first thing my body is going is like, Oh, we're in grab bed. Phone, phone yeah. time. Grab the phone. Let's get some screen time in. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I see it happening, and more and more, I've been starting to sort of edge towards the decision of, oh, should I push this thing out? How would I do that? You know, yeah. it's also technically like it's technically complicated because I'm going. Well, you know, then you know, I got. Oh, I'd have it to change my up, alarm, an alarm clock. And, yeah, yeah, like, exactly. yeah, like no. it's also really convenient waking up in the morning and then seeing like, oh, these are my emails. This is what I have to do today. Da da da. Right. So there's part of me that doesn't want to let it go, but I'm also trying to trying to make that space right now because it's like, okay, I clearly this isn't working. I got to figure out a yeah. strategy to break this off here. But yeah, yeah. You know, that's something that I've developed good habits around. And again, for me, most of my life was without a phone. So that's easier. So I, when I go to bed, I'm, I've got books and I read, I read books, you know, mostly leadership and, and interesting books. And I, I, on the other hand, I do have my phone in my room as an alarm, usually doesn't go off because I wake up before my alarm, but anyhow, um, it's there. And then I typically meditate in bed before I get up. So, you know, that's the first thing I, I respond to because you know, and, and create an intention for the day. What are we up to? I'm running because one of the things that emails and messages and notifications do is it's like you're responding to others, you know, rather than you're setting your, your intention, your environment, you're creating rather than responding. Yeah. So, so that's something proactive um, versus reactive, reactive. But, and on the other hand, as, as well, I don't, you know, and I do, you know, when I've done my, my meditation, I turn on the coffee and yes, I flip through New York times or, or different, different things, you know, sort of like what's, what's going on or, or responding back to people. And again, it's not that it's bad to respond back to people because obviously you were sharing an earlier example of that doesn't work. I don't respond to people. That's, that is certainly going to prevent your leadership from really, uh, really uh, flourishing for sure. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a balancing act with all these things. But I think I think that's the the place that I found that was really like the most effective was start by creating sort of boundaries in terms yeah. of like when I'm at this part and it literally doesn't even have to be a different room. It just could be yeah. a different place in the room. This is what I do. And I I keep those boundaries as clean as I can and and it really, really helps focus. Yeah. Because if you know, for example, like 
if I'm going to goof off, like one thing I, I like to think of is like when I start to, when I catch myself goofing off, I actually right. move where I am. I go away from my desk. Like okay. I force myself. Oh, if I'm going to goof off, I got to go sit over there. Okay. Right. Cause then, cause then it's like, I'm training myself to know, Oh, I'm not working. Okay. Cool. I'm goofing cool. off right now. I'm not making any progress. So then, so then when I sit down at the desk again, it's like, okay, progress, you know, awesome. and then, Oh, I start to goof off. It's like, Oh, you know, what space could I move into over there, over here, you know, to just not be in that same space. So that my workspace doesn't become a goofing off space. Perfect. Perfect. And then also, I think, I think to go along with that, there's general cleanliness. Yes. So just making sure that like you get used to keeping things tidy, clean, you know, wiping yeah. down the counters two, three times a day, wiping down, you know, do dusting, you know, vacuuming, cleaning the floors, um, tidying stuff up. Like that's, I'm not a crazy clean freak or anything. Like I don't necessarily, I don't even know if I'm a particularly clean person. I know I keep a clean house, but not like, you know, one of those clean houses. Like you go to people's houses and you're like, wow, I could not find a speck of dust in this place. No, no, for sure. I know I'm not that person, but I, but what I do know is I'm pretty good when it comes to keeping tidy. So I don't like having things in any way disheveled. If things are disheveled, it's going to bother me. So I'm going to want to make sure the dishes are always done. Stuff's always put away. You know, the, if I, if I kind of catch myself starting to like pile stuff up on tables, I want to clear yeah. that off and get the table, you know, cleared off and clean. So those are kind of the areas where I think like tidiness is number one, but cleanliness yeah. is just a nice bonus. Yeah. And then the other thing as well to speak to that as well is I think it makes sense on a weekly rhythm to do a real deep clean, you know, again, you know, at, at different points in my life, you know, cleaning, we have staff come in to help clean or whatever, but you know, no matter what we'll do a deep clean once a week, it just, okay, start, start, you know, it's like, it's things get a little disheveled, you know, clean everything, make it really tight um, is something again, that just leads to a, a healthier environment. You know, I know, to call myself out, you know, earlier in my life, I did not make my bed. I go, why do I need to make my bed? I need to get back in it. That was kind of my story. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Um, but I discovered integrity at a higher and higher level and saw that, no, that is actually really, really an important step to everything's right. I remember speaking to one of my really great friends and she was saying that, that actually as well, the covers of your bed and having covers on your bed and pillows over the pillows on your bed actually allow where dust falls. So you actually sleep better. You're more protected. That's one of the reasons why you put that, you know, pillows on top of the pillows and there's covers and et cetera. It's, 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 you sleep better. You're, you're more secure. And again, starting the day with, again, a good habit, you know, so many people get started and they're right, they're running behind right from the start. They made a commitment to get up at seven. They're not up till seven ten or seven fifteen. Okay. Missed one commitment, missed a second commitment. Made a commitment to make my bed, or maybe I didn't, but there's a there is a commitment to make my bed, and I've missed it. And yeah. then they're off. And then they're late running to their first appointment. And then they're trying to get coffee on the road or whatever. All these different things that are just miss, miss, miss. And your day starts poorly instead of secure, in line, in integrity. Boom, boom, boom. And yeah. my day gets going well. Yeah, well, and I think it all interties too because like going to getting up at a certain time is 
dependent on going to bed at a certain time. So there has to be integrity in going to bed at a certain time. So you get up at that time and you don't want to die. Yes. Because obviously I've, I've seen so many people go, oh, I'm going to start getting up early. And they keep going to bed at the same time and they just start getting up earlier. So they're just cutting down their sleep time. That right? doesn't work. And then yeah. all of a sudden they're like, you know, in my case, I know if I do that, I get headaches, but they're, and, yeah. and you lose ability to concentrate and you, yeah. you know, aren't as effective throughout the day and you're kind of groggy. So you can't think clearly It's like a fog in front of you when you're trying to think like it stands in your way. All of those things just kind of start to, you know, close yeah. everything down for you. So you've got to manage like going to bed at a certain time, waking up, which then allows you to build good habits. And making your bed is kind of a, I'd say it's even an overused analogy or an overused sort of like example, but it could just be picking up the clothes on your floor and putting your clothes away. And it's also, you know, putting your dishes away when you're done and, and actually doing the dishes right away. You know, if you're, if you're don't have a dishwasher and you can't put yeah. them in the dishwasher, it's doing them right away. Every time yeah. you, you make food, it's, you know, just building habits that support keeping a clean environment. So you can sort of start to have that. And those habits build discipline. And then as you build discipline there, because really, what is it like when, when you don't do your dishes, you're just kind of like skipping this unpleasant thing that you don't want to do thinking like, it's somehow going to go away. Like it's, it's totally just chasing after delayed or, or it's like uh, you're avoiding, you're delaying like something negative. So it's kind of just chasing after immediate gratification. Yeah. You know, I'm eating now I'm going back to doing whatever I wanted, ignoring the displeasant stuff, ignoring my responsibilities basically. And so this is just going back to that where it's saying, no, you know, we got to build habits that create that discipline in us. And that starts at the base level of the habits around making food, the habits around caring for your home, the habits around tidying up. And then that extends out to everything else. Yeah, totally. And, and let's talk about the backside. If we don't clean our house, we don't clean our dishes. What do we get? Bugs, mildew, like there's negative impacts, right? So it's, this isn't just something that smells like it's not something that, oh, well, Chris and Pat are clean freaks. No, we're not. You know, no, it's if these slide, 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 it's like I got black walls because I've got mildew. I've got pests and mice and bugs in my house, right? And that just doesn't work. And that's going to make, make me sick and unhealthy, you know? So it's, it's kind of the continuum. I would even take the example and make it less extreme because obviously it's like very few. Oh no, but I'm saying yeah, no, but but that's but that's what I'm trying to say is Pat is is if you go to the extreme, it shows why just cleaning makes sense. Oh yeah, you know yes on the continuum. But but even even on the small level, it's like when you don't do your dishes and then your sink gets full, it's like your kitchen stops becoming usable, right? So at at every level, the usability of the space sort of is decreased by a small amount and then a small yeah. amount and then a small amount until it's unlivable in, in the extreme example, you know, yeah, that I gave. But, you know, if you have a dirty kitchen and then all of a sudden you want to eat, but you haven't done your dishes from the last meal yeah. and now all of a sudden you can't go and make your food. So maybe now you're eating takeout because you can't cook in the kitchen because you yeah. didn't clean any of your stuff. And then, so now you're eating, you know, worse food. You don't feel as good. You also have this dirty space. So you, you, it's like it creates this uh, restriction around you, like yeah. a fence almost. Like you can no longer cook, you know, because you haven't done yeah. this. So, yes. so that, yeah. that's like 
it blocks off a bunch of areas of your life that you kind of don't even see. Now we're talking about cooking, but the, the, it does the same thing. You know, when all your clothes is dirty in a big pile in your room, it's like you don't have clean clothes. Now you either dress like a, a slob or you spend a whole week doing laundry because you and you own thousands of dollars worth of clothes yeah. <laughs> or, or yeah. tens of thousands. Who knows? You know, but you see you see all these things like that's a great example for our leaders. And I'm sure our leaders listening will go, oh, I've seen myself there. I've seen roommates there. I've, I've been to friends houses that look like that. Oh, wow, that doesn't work. And, and so these are examples. Also, I know you mentioned food, you know, in your notes. So it's like, you know, having good food in your house that support who you want to be and how you want to fill your body, you know, food preparation, maybe, you know, my daughter actually prepares her food every week and, you know, does this enormous, you know, piece of work that really, really supports good and healthy living. One thing that, that, that we do in our family is we don't have bad food in our family. You know, like the bad food is there's some Nutella and there's some popcorn, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, certainly there's, there's wine, you know? So, but, yeah. but, you know, it's like, if we're going to make bad choices, our choices are really limited, you know, because yeah. everyone knows, like, like all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're feeling weak at the end of the day. And what choices are we going to make? Well, Your if there are no bad it. choices, yeah. 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 It's like, you know, and again, when we're out, oh, well, hey, we're going out for a nice meal. Pre-COVID, um, you know, you you know, oh great, you maybe you'll have a nice dessert. We, you know, again, there's not a lot of choices like that, which again helps set up my environment for success, the type of success I want. Yeah, well, yeah, because if you all of a sudden, you know, I've always said, like, if you go on a diet and you buy a cake and you put it on the middle of the kitchen table and you <laughs> say, I'm not going to eat that, you're screwed. <laughs> and it's the perfect example of, you know. And at, like, this is like common, like 101, they say like, yeah. oh, if you're going to try to go on a diet or eat well or whatever, it's like, just don't buy it. And the yes. reality is that's like 80% of the battle. Cause if you buy it, you're going to eat it. You know, yeah. it's, if it's, yeah. if it's there, it's only a matter of time until your willpower kind of starts to slip. So yeah, I totally agree. It's like, just like do your decision-making as what you're going to eat by looking at the worst things you're buying like like what are the things you're gonna want to eat the most yeah and then assume that's the first thing you're gonna eat because usually that's what happens yeah so it so is. then you start to just crunch down bring in the things you actually want to eat and then you're yeah and it, it's also as well it's it's you know again one of our leaders catch that willpower or environment what's stronger environment right like willpower we will fail again pat's a powerful powerful leader and his willpower is going to fail. My willpower is going to fail. So how do we set up? And that's what we're talking about, setting up our environment to win. I think it really, like, once you start to kind of look at this, you kind of start to see how it impacts, like, everything has an impact. And the thing with willpower is, if you only rely on willpower, you're doomed in the long run because yes. all your willpower has to do is fail once. Yes. It can work a hundred times. But if it fails yeah. once, then you're done, right? So that's why environment, even though it's, it's not everything, it becomes so important because your willpower, if you just rely on that, it's like, yeah, it's going to work 99 times instead of 100, but all it had to do is fail once to ruin all of your, your progress. Yeah, and, and the reality as well is, is as leaders, we are relying on our willpower all the time, right? The best leaders recreate themselves and get up in the morning, have a vision, have a dream, let's go crush it, right? Like that's what we do. And 
if we're swapping through unmade bed, getting through kitchens that are dirty, getting through a house that's a disaster, mildew growing, it's just going to be way harder, right? So if, so we're, we're, you know, environment in many ways, getting these is, is like creating really powerful habits. To most people, they're hidden, like a yeah. lot of the habits successful people have. But we're trying to make them unhidden. Environment, unhidden habits, really, really powerfully success, you know, create your success. You know, you imagine somebody, you know, again, I don't know, Mark Cuban or whoever, you know, you're looking at as, wow, they, they, they really seem to have it together. Oprah Winfrey, love Oprah Winfrey. You know, again, I imagine she's living in a house that is, you know, totally together, really supporting. You know, there's some areas that are there, you know, that are, you know, pristine where she meditates and has a gym and then other areas that are, okay, I'm going to go work. You know, I've got an office, you know, or a library, right? You know, as we talked earlier, right? You know, that's got to, you know, if you think of really successful people, that's what's going to happen. And that supports their, their success. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of just uh, it's integrity in your environment. So you kind of keep extending that out. I think everything that we just said just kind of goes in and then perfectly applies to your car. You know, you look at the cleanliness of it inside and out. And for physical environments and technological environments, I think it's kind of like you you said it earlier. But I think for all of these things, we have to start doing audits and having days where we reset. So, you know, you're talking about just having a weekly cleanup day. Well, I, I think the same thing is it's like every month I do a big clean in my car. Right. Like once a month, usually, maybe okay. sometimes twice a month, because lately I haven't been using it very much. So I haven't yeah, been for cleaning sure. it as yeah, much. Totally. But, exactly. But yeah. typically I'd say like once a month, I just take everything out of my car because I'll have built up some garbage in the back from, yeah. you know, just driving around and moving doing, things around. Yeah. Or, yeah. 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 And then I'll also like, you know, want to actually clean it, like pass the vacuum, wipe everything yes, down, yeah. get the dust out. And then I, I want to clean up the outside because I know I literally feel better driving my car when it's clean. So it's like, right. you know, I'll, I'll do a quick clean on the outside. And it's just like, once you have those things in place, just using your car, being in your car, being in that space is just so much nicer, so much more pleasant. It feels like you're in a newer car when it's yeah. clean versus when it's dirty. So I think the same thing kind of goes there. And then if you have materials for your work or if you have, you know, just sometimes you you travel a lot, like it's just having your stuff in a travel bag. I recently yeah. did that. I have a bunch, I have a kit in the back of my car that I kind of carry around that has like, you know, just a little, it's like just a bunch of random things, but it's got like a pump to, to fix a tire. It's got like all this stuff. And I used to just have it sprawled out in my trunk and it was driving me nuts. So I right. found a bag to put it all in. And now it's all in one like waterproof, nice bag That's rolled really up in, yeah. in the corner. And it looks nice and it doesn't like roll around. It doesn't bother me, but I have all my things there. I've got a battery pack in case something goes wrong. I've got a tire pump. I've got, you know, a few other tools and random things that I wanted to have in the car with me and I'm all set. And that's mm. just really, really nice to have when you're that you're like just that little organization sort of thing is just set yeah. up. It's just really nice because then you're not like, oh, there's stuff everywhere. So no, I always no. recommend kind of organizing your car the same way you do your house. I used to be horrible for sure. Like just building up uh, garbage as I ate on the road, running my summer business back in the day. And, and, and since then I've gotten better and better. I must say cleanliness of my car. We live in a dirt road, so it just seems to always get dirty. So, and then I have a wonderful dog who climbs in the back. So she carries some dirt in. So it's, it's, it's not quite as, 
exciting to get it clean because it'll be dirty fast. But, you know, there's definitely a, an organization there that really is always present. And then, okay, here, let's go, let's go get it done or, you know, you know, a deeper vacuum or whatever. Well, and even let's be real, like, even if you, the thing is, is even if you didn't clean your car for a while mm -hmm. and it yeah. got really dirty, like I'm sure you've had those moments. Yeah. It's not that you need it to get detailed. It's just that no. when you get that like quick clean and all of a sudden your car is not as dusty and the inside yeah. doesn't have as much dog hair, you're going, oh, this is really nice. And it yeah. only lasts like a week, but yeah. that one week is really nice. And, and so if you just kind of uh, never do it, then it would get really disgusting. No, there's no question. So you find that line. Yeah. Because yeah. for me, it's like we actually just did to get it detailed. We supported a local entrepreneur in the area who came and detailed our cars. And I got to tell you, it's end of the week. It's largely that great feeling's gone. So, so I, I guess I'm not as connected to it because not just living in a city where it's not going to get all sorts of dust. But it's still, like you said, you need to go, do, go back to work and again, get it in integrity. Yeah. Tight. Cause you just have to also adjust what your baseline of acceptable is. If you're going to have, you know, a dog and a, and, and a live on a, a dirty dirt road, live in a dirt road. Yes. You're, you're, you're baseline, not, you're not getting yeah. the car polished, you know, you, no. but, but a quick hose down, rinse off some, some, you know, some dust, you could probably do that in 10 to 15 minutes. So, you know, don't wipe it all down clean at the end, you know, like, you know what I'm talking about? Like you don't have to chamois dry it. You can just get a hose in a bucket quickly wipe her down, throw some water on there, let it air dry. It'll be really nice. Yeah. One of my great friends driving a Corvette and kind of slowly, slowly, slowly along our dirt road when he came and visited. So it's like, we're just kind of like, we're just driving. You know, it's like, it's just, you know, car rocks are kicking up. It just is the what it is. So it's, again, like you said, finding what works, finding what that baseline is in all these areas of environment. You know, some people are really, really clean. And if they aren't really, really clean, it won't work for them. Like, so, so don't resist that. It's, I need to be really, really clean. And that's okay. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about physical. So we're going to jump into sort of. I want to talk about technology for a second. Okay, talk perfect. about a technology audit, if you're good with that. I'm great. Yeah. Yeah. So a technology audit to me, the first thing I'd want to ask myself, like, how do you clean that up? is the first thing I look at is what alerts and notifications do I have on versus off? Right. And every couple of months, I'd say every six months, I go through and I do like an audit of my notifications and I look at what right. apps are sending me notifications and how. Because mm -hmm. you add new apps as time goes on. So, and sometimes you don't always notice. And then all of a sudden yeah. you realize, oh, the weather network is all of a sudden, you know, poking me quite often <laughs> for exactly. stuff I really don't care about. As if I about. really need to know. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Patrick, it is now one degree hotter outside. Like, oh, thank <laughs> you. You know, that was, that was really useful. So I think the first thing to do is you, you go in, you look at your notification settings and you go, okay, which one of these apps do I really just not need to be getting notifications for? Right. So I'll tell people what I've done because I think it's, it's, it was a pretty good strategy for me. What I did is I put all of my distraction apps in one folder. Mm -hmm. And by distraction apps, I mean Facebook, Instagram, uh, Messenger, in, uh, LinkedIn, and then a, a Snapchat and all of that. Right. I actually turned the no notifications off on all of those apps. Okay. And I only let those apps uh, show me badges. So like it's like a little red icon pops up in the corner of the app saying there are notifications in the app, right. but I don't see them on my home screen. 
Right. And I actually have to swipe to the second or third screen to even see if there are badges there. So I do like that because it has actually allowed me to completely just let go. Right. A lot of different apps and a lot of different things. Like if people have me on Snapchat, I very rarely respond to snaps. Yeah. And it's not because, you know, I don't like these people. It's just because I got other things to do with my life then respond to snaps and care about that and look at that all the time. So I kind of trim down and there's other apps that I use a lot more. Like I I've been using Instagram and I still use, I've been using Instagram a lot more lately. I, I use it Facebook a little bit still, but those I don't get notifications. So I don't look at things all the time. Like I'm, I'm yeah. not getting a hundred different notifications for every like that I get on a picture yes, that I post. Exactly. I just post it and then, you know, I look at it a couple hours later. Oh, okay. You know, 60, 70, 80 people liked it. Cool. You know, move on. But it's not like, it's not a big thing. So I, I like that was a big one for me is just doing audits of my notifications. Right. And then audits of how much time you're spending on your phone. So I, like weekly, I like to actually just do the screen time apps. Uh, look yeah. at the uh, look at what I've actually done in the last week and see where my biggest time wasters are. I'm always shocked at how much time I waste on my phone every week when I look at it. But just the fact that I do those audits a lot of times just makes me aware of like, oh wow, that's how much time I spent doing that. Like, then I want to put that away or put it down or not spend as much time looking at it. Right. And then it's actually looking at when you work, are you using Do Not Disturb? So. Right. Obviously, it depends. In my case, I, I don't use Do Not Disturb because all my notifications are off. And the only thing I'm getting are calls, texts, and emails. And they're all that's all work-related stuff for the most part. Right. I do get a little bit of personal stuff in there, but very, very minor. And then I look at what you follow on social media, right? Like the content that you're actually looking at. Like, what are you looking at when you open up your Facebook or your Instagram? Are you following you know, people that maybe are negative or news sources that aren't really showing you good stuff. They're just because, yes. you know, a lot of, as you know, news articles are trying to just kind of scare you into reading the articles a lot of times. So there's a lot of like that stuff going on. For sure. And then, so what are you actually following? And I like to try to follow things on my social media that kind of like are good influences yeah. and, and I'm, I'm being intentional about what I'm seeing. Yeah. And, and you're, you're, you're really, really right, Pat. Like, so, so again, if we're, you know, media, you know, if it bleeds, it leads, you know, so fear is something that again, a lot of media channels are looking to get. So, and then when you're reading your media, just tune into how am I feeling? How's this making me feel, you know, in this, in these, you know, COVID days, you know, I'll, you know, take a snippet of time. Okay. Let's go read that. Okay. Step away, you know, again, and, and then I, I, I get a lot of uh, really, really positive feeds. Peter Diamandis, Dan Sullivan, a bunch of people who are looking at all the great stuff happening in the world and not focused on all the bad stuff and uh, uh, more than aware of all the bad stuff, but focused on great stuff that's happening and, and making sure that you're, you're seeing all the good stuff. Because again, you know, newspapers will not make money. Media channels will not make money just saying it's a great day. Yeah. You know, it's a great day. It's it's sunny and warm for, you know, like that's just not how they get, you know, the weather channel feeds you all these, oh, it's going to be a hurricane. That's how it it makes money and drives drives revenue. 
So it's just what, what works. Yeah. Well, because they got to drive interest. That gets them rate better ratings. That gets them more advertising revenue. So it's kind of a the business model we created by not wanting to pay for any of our content, unfortunately. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and we'd probably get a lot more balanced articles if what we did was actually purchase our media. But that's a different... That's a whole, the whole different ball game. Yes. So yeah, then you know, I like to think, okay, so when I work, am I on do not disturb? When I use my computer, do I get texts on my computer? I know a lot of people get texts on their computer and they pop up. Yeah. Or just push notifications on your computer in general. I know a lot yes. of computers nowadays, they have a there's like a little on my Mac, if I if I swipe two fingers from the right side over to the left, I get like a little pop-up of all these notifications. And I know I purposefully set mine to, to not give me any pop-ups or notifications because if I'm working on my computer, I want to be completely proactive and 0% reactive. Yes. So I turn that off on purpose, but I know a lot of people don't do that. I do the same thing with my iMessage, all my texts, messages, all that. They all go. I can see them on my computer, but I don't get any notifications when it comes in. Again, I just want to be able to focus when I'm doing stuff. So, so that's right. like really, really important. No, that's a, that's a really great technology deep dive, Pat, like, and, and just be, you know, and I know a lot of our leaders wouldn't really recognize those really good habits, those really good, you know, tactics to support a really powerful environment when you're working. Yeah. I think, I think those are all, those are really all the things, but the only other thing I was going to mention is on your computer, how is your stuff organized? Right. Yes. Because because we need I need to do I find every six months to one year, about once a year is probably more like it. Every year I have to yeah. spend, you know, a couple hours just organizing all my files. Cause I yes. it's kind of like falls, slowly falls into disarray. And then once a year I'm like, okay, let's go through this and reorg this. And okay, yeah, these ad images need to go over here and these files need to go in this folder and so on and so forth. Cause it just does slide after a while, you know, if you're, if you're not paying, keeping up with it. I just made note, Pat, that's something you're right. I haven't done that in a while. And there's a bunch of stuff on the main folder, not in the other's folder. So that's something I'm committing myself to do. Another thing that I'll, I'll tend to do is, is sort of sometimes again, doing a deep dive in, in my email box. Okay, hold on. Yes. I've, I, I've, you know, made a commitment to do all the things that I've made a commitment to, but sometimes just things that are important to do, not urgent to do, are sitting there. And I find in my calendars as well, okay, well, that's not. And then I'll go back and I'll look, what things do I need to pick up? What kind of just got left there on the side of the road that wasn't urgent, that's still important? Let's go grab that. Let's go reallocate time to that. That's something as well that's that's really important. Again, not being the, like the person that Pat talked about earlier, just kind of letting things slide. One of my good friends told me about an associate and he works in a very, very big company. And he uh, basically was going, gee, when you come back from work after holiday, it seems like things are just fine. And you've got, you know, you're not stressed. And he goes, oh, yeah, this is what I do. I, when I come back, I go, here are all my messages. And I just highlight them all. And I delete them. <laughs> and just says, people will call me back. You know, that's fine. And it was, uh, you know, a year and a half later, that person was no longer in that job. <laughs> yeah. so, so it's like, that doesn't work. You know, that, that strategy does not work leaders. You know, we're going to need to be responsible for all of our communications, for all of our priorities. If you thought it was important before, it is likely important. Or make the decision, no, that's not important. Boom, move it off. Yeah. So, 
Well, I, I'm always surprised how ineffective I think the younger generation is at actually managing their email inboxes. Right. That was one of the first things I had to learn to be really good at. So I even give everybody on the call a suggestion. Um, the first thing I did, I do really like using Gmail, but it doesn't really matter what application you use. I like setting my inbox up with the three-tier folder. So unread, important, or starred, and... Um, just general on like red messages so right. that you've already always have your red messages at the top. And then it's really easy to manage your, your responses and your communications. Cause if you're not going to respond to something, you don't open it. Right. Yes. And if you accidentally open something, realize you can't you respond, you unread it. And then it yeah. just stays at the top and you yeah. know exactly like manages itself. It's really, really wonderful. And then the only other thing you need to do from there is just set up a couple filters and folders for things like uh, receipts, projects you need to follow up on, or you know you need to kind of finish up, things like that. Honestly, if you, if you do those things, you're pretty much all set. I found that really, really helped me with my e- email. I, I actually just keep, you know, for the most part, I've got emails I want to follow up on, right. like uh, things I know I'm going to look back at, I tag and put in folders, like receipts, leads, things like that, like just things I know I might have to go and look at later. And otherwise, everything else in my inbox just goes in my inbox so I can search it later. Right. Because so I always keep that feature. So I just do leave those there for the most part. They delete right. after a couple of years. But it does give me that flexibility of searching up old emails if I need to. And the rest of it, everything just kind of populates up to the top, everything important because I just leave it unread. Right. But you also have to manage what you're subscribed to in any inbox, right? So right. the other, the second part to that is, Take the time to unsubscribe from stuff. People create new emails because they get too much in their junk mail. The reality is just unsubscribe from the junk mail. And then if you unsubscribe and it doesn't work, just mark it as spam and it'll never show up in your inbox again. Okay. That's a great strategy. Yeah. And then, you know, problem solved. You can, you can get away from a lot of the, the challenges there. So one thing that we were going to talk about as well with, with environment is just friends and people. Yeah, relationships. Relationships. And I know we sort of dug a little bit into that, you know, uh, earlier again. Do we have unclean relationships? So, so trying to, again, having clean relationships. Oh, there's, there's an issue. Let's go talk about it. Let's go communicate. Let's go, you know, look to tidy up our relationship. But the types of people we want in our, in our world are people who are supportive, people who want us to win. You know, one thing I, I have, uh, I always think about is I want to, to provide and I want people who are there to support, love and encourage me. You know, yeah. that's something for me and see what's best in me, you know, um, and I'm, I'm looking for people who aren't going to be like the long poppy syndrome. There's a long poppy syndrome they talk about in Australia where, where the poppies that get grow, 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 grow really high. There's a part of the culture that wants to cut them off, you know, and just like, you know, knock them down. And you see that in the media, you know, where someone will build them up and up and up and up and up and then come later and try to knock them down and find all sorts of problems in people. And it's it's in in, in organizations, you know, it's like, you know, uh, Amazon can only be good for so long. And then no, look at all the problems. Nike could only be good for so long. And then look at all the problems. It it just is kind of how there there are. So it's like we want people who aren't going to do that for us. You know, what, what do you look for in, in, in creating a healthy environment? I'm really glad you brought that up. Like 
just that idea because it's so true that uh, that you you'll see a lot of people want to see you win when you're on your way up, but then they want to tear you down once you're at the top, like once you're actually at the top doing really well. So that's that's kind of that is an interesting way to look at it. But yeah, I think you're totally right. It's first of all starting with the team of people surrounding yourself with friends that right. are supportive and want to see you win. Right, like that's number one. It's people typically. I I like to look at like there are people in your life that will really contribute to you and you'll contribute to them and it'll be a really positive relationship. And there are also people in your lives that are generally, I would call them like sort of needy, right? where they're really only ever taking away and never really contributing to you. Right. So they're, they're really there because they're like, they're kind of hogging the, maybe it's the attention, the time, right. the resources, all that. And they sort of monopolize, they start to monopolize things. And those people are very rarely, those, they're the same people who will rarely give you a hand. You know, it's like those friends that won't help you move. Right. That's, a, that's probably the best way to think about it. And sure. that's kind of like, if you have a friend that you think wouldn't help you move, then they're not a very good friend or they're not a friend right. that you should have in your life. I think that the moving test is a great test, <laughs> you know, for like, is this person somebody who's adding to my life? If they ask me to move or if I ask them, Hey, I'm moving, would you help me out? Help me out. Yeah. Would they say yes? Right. You know, and if they would, if they would generally say yes and they generally want to come and help, like obviously maybe they've got a commitment. There's distance, there's time, yeah, yeah. there's social. Exactly. There's, a, there's yes. a bunch of things, but it's kind of the hypothetical of if they lived down the street and you were moving and you needed some help for a day. And would they want to come help? Would they want to come help? Yeah, I get it. Yeah. No, I think that's really important. And, you know, obviously one thing that we talk about here is, you know, hey, look at the, the five people you spend your most time with. Okay. And a lot of times people think, you know, that that's about removing people. No, it's not. It's about moving towards people. You're moving towards people who are supporting. You're not looking to exclude people. You're looking to moving towards people and finding relationships that really, again, support what you're up to, support a powerful environment. Yeah. And that's what we're looking to do. Yeah. I love thinking of it as well as like, it's partially, it's about like, you know, we, we talk a lot about like people support you, but I think it's also about finding some people in your life that have something to teach you. Sure. So, you know, it's, it does feel really safe sometimes to be surrounded by people that you're doing better than them. Yeah. And for some people, you know, that's just kind of what they, they gravitate towards. I need to be the, the hot shot in the room at all times. You know, I need right. to be the biggest guy in charge of everything, blah, blah, blah. Right. And so, and they don't, they don't like having other people around because they'll, they'll feel threatened by that. I like to really think, you know, you want to find people that are better than you at certain things and then have those people be in your environment as well and recognize that, Hey, when it comes to this, these people are really good. I love learning from this person when it comes to that, whether it's somebody who's better at school than you studies better than you and gets better grades, learn from that. If it's somebody who, you know, is better at sports than you, then maybe you can learn from their work ethic and how they, you know, compete and what, you know, how it gives them that edge. And you can learn from that. If it's somebody who's better at work than you or a better business owner, who's doing things at a higher level than you, there's something to be learned there. There's always something to be learned. And I think that's the key is to like, also look at people who are going to add that to your life. No, I think you're right on. And, and again, kind of, do I want to be a big fish in a small pound? No, I want to be a, a growing fish in a really big pond, you know, and there's really massive fish who are just amazing at things. And, and again, 
get over our ego about having to be the best at anything or, you know, all that sort of silly stuff. It's like, no, I just, it's all about, I'm going to compare myself to me and the person I was yesterday or a week ago or a year ago. And I'm just looking to make progress and becoming more and more. And continuously make it better. Yeah. The the, the Chris Thompson I want. And that environment supports that by creating a supportive environment to support that. And I'm going to throw one last thing. Sure. In people. And I think it's more and more surrounding yourself with people who, who care about the value of their word. Because I know that ever since I put that as like a really, really high thing on my list of priorities is, is to value my own word, is it's really hard being around people who don't value theirs. Yes. Because it is like so at the core and baseline. So it's one of those things where you can help people build integrity, but you also want to surround yourself with more people who really value their own word. And the more you do that, the clearer it becomes for you just how important that is and how much more workable things are when people value their own word in in your relationships and everything else. And the last thing I'll say about people, Chris, is just, Mm -hmm. you know, you certainly somewhere in your life, I think anybody can think right, right now and think of something they need to clean up. Right. A conversation that didn't go well. A uh, an interaction where, as the author puts it in Fierce Conversations, I forget her name, but as she puts Susan it, it's Scott. like addressing the elephant in the room. So right. you've got these relationships that aren't clean, that have this stuff that kind of hangs over every interaction with that other person. And, and a big part, a, a really important thing is to just go and tackle those conversations and, and clean it up and take accountability for where you weren't authentic or for where you weren't, you know, being. Uh, fair to the other person, right? Sure. And just cleaning those things up without expectations of what they're going to say. For sure. Because it's all about you just clearing up what it is that you had to do in that conversation that you weren't, you know, okay, like, like that you didn't do, do that wasn't, properly. Yeah, where you didn't behave weren't properly. Weren't on time or whatever. Yeah. And then as well, you're going to be in integrity and, and likely those relationships will get clean. And sometimes they may not because maybe that, that you've, you've damaged them and that's okay, but it's better than not letting them there. And if you keep doing that, your life, and again, we're talking about environment. So there really is in my, my number one values, relationships are everything. So for me, the number one environment is having fantastic relationships in my life that support everything. So we're talking about clean rooms clean relationships, way more important. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're both important, but that really, really works. So I know you had some other, other areas of focus for this podcast. Well, to me, the last thing I think that we're going to end up talking about, Chris, is just the reminders. I think it's important to have reminders of your goals in your environment. Yeah. And I think every top performer does this. There's so many different ways of doing it. People use vision boards. Sometimes they... Yeah write their goal. Like I, I remember one of our alumni, Adel, telling an amazing story about how he wrote his goal down. I think it was on his ceiling or on his wall that he looks at when he wakes right up. behind his bedroom. Yeah. Here's the target. Permanent targets. marker. Yeah. He had his wall <laughs> written out in big black lettering, permanent marker yeah. on his wall. Like, you know, he had to do that. Like it was exactly. there permanently. So some people do vision boards. Some people write it down on their wall. Some people post it. You know, I remember hearing stories back before phones were like uh, the what they are now. I remember yeah. people printing out pictures of Mexico 
and putting yeah. it on their their little flippy thing in their car, the the right. shade yeah. visor thing. Yeah, yeah. And putting their their Mexico pictures there, so they're like, "This is what I'm working going for right now." You going. know, and, uh, yeah, yeah, this is yeah. where I'm going. This is what this is what I'm headed towards. Phone background, computer background, putting it. It could be in your passwords. You know, I remember. When all of a sudden we were going to make this business administratively strong, you had your, your password as like number one admin or admin yeah, is number one admin. or something like yeah. that. And that like became your password, your login password. You have to type that in all the time. Admin yeah. is number one. Yeah. And yeah. then that just kind of drives it home that that is super important to you. So you can have it. It can be visual. It can be in your passwords and your logins and your different yeah. things. But you want to have those reminders there in your environment of what it is that you're up to, right? Like yeah. what it yeah. is that you're trying to accomplish and drive. And I'm, I'm, I know in your case, like you've got a list right now beside you as we're doing this podcast, you've got a list with every district manager's goal of what they're going yes. to achieve this season with their team That's right. and every yeah. veteran operator's goal and what they're going to go and achieve with their business. And you print those out every year. Yeah. And I, I, I have a list of the, uh thousand millionaires. I have a goal of a thousand millionaires and I have a list of the 171 who have, who have, who have got there and that we're, we're looking to create more and develop more and, and find more because we know there's more. So you're right. Like it just comes, your goal is present. Your purpose is present. Also as well, spending time working on your purpose. I know again, a lot of times we're talking to leaders, it's tough to sort of figure out what your purpose is in this life, but the clearer and clearer we can be. And even just to be thinking, I have a purpose rather than just making money and I don't know, you know, just, just procreating, you know, or whatever, <laughs> drinking beer on yeah. Friday night. You know, no, I have a purpose and, and thinking about that um, and spending time about that uh, and thinking about that, again, creates a wonderfully powerful environment for you to create great things in the world and real, really make a contribution. So that's something as well that jumps out for me around um, around that. Yeah. Well, honestly, Chris, I think with all that, I think we gave our leaders some really a good, lot to think yeah, a lot of stuff <laughs> to think about. Like, like I thought we started this thing. I thought we were going to go 45 minutes stops. You know, I thought this thing was going to be pretty quick and we dove into this conversation and there was so much there. So I think yeah. it gives our leaders a really good recap and they can go back and, and literally make a list. And that's what I would encourage them to do after this podcast is make a list of each area of their life, what messes they need to clean up, yeah. and then what habits they need to put in place to start cleaning things up. And I'm going to give them one tip to, to okay. leave them with this podcast in terms of how to do that. Don't start with like the biggest, most complicated possible thing that you can think about to clean up. Start right. with something small. Start hey, small. Were you rude to somebody that you're friends with yesterday? Do you nope. need to go clean that up? Start there. Super small, super easy. Don't go to your, your childhood best friend that you had a big falling out with five years ago. The, 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 you know, Do a couple small ones first. Get it going. Get it working. Get used to that conversation before you build up to the big thing. Do the same thing in every element of your life. So if it's making your bed, don't go from like, I've never made my bed a single day in my life to I'm going to make a military style bed every morning <laughs> sure, yeah. with, you know, yeah. just do something like throw the covers back on. Just get used <laughs> exactly. to doing that, throw you know, just throwing yeah. the comforter on, on nicely. And then, yeah. And then you can build up from there. Oh, and then, cause then, you know, doing the sheet too, not that big a deal. Just throwing the sheet on nicely as well. And then once you're yeah. used to that, it's like, is tucking it in really that hard? 
you know, so you start, you start getting it going, but you got to start with just do one little yeah. thing. Yeah. Also as well, like in terms of cleaning up as well, you know, Hey, it doesn't necessarily also have to be those, those relationships that are, are sideways and trying to bring them right. But it's also those relationships that are really profound and really critical. When was the last time you called your mom and told her you loved you, loved her, right? You know, was it, you know, or, or you know, when it, when was the last time you connected with a good friend and it's been a while? Hey, let's go do that too because that will bring you know again support and love and encouragement into your life, make you fill fill yourself up, create an environment. Wow, this is who I am. I reach out to my friends, right, and that's going to support you totally. So it's all these areas, and again, I know we've given you a lot here, and it's. Uh, it's really great value. So this is a re-listenable one for sure. So yeah, thanks so much, Pat. So you go off and create great greatness today and uh, we will talk soon. Yeah, I'm going to go do my bed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. I already did mine. Cheers, man. Yeah, no, mine's actually done. <laughs> I know, I know. Cheers. Have a good one. <laughs> Cheers. You bet. Hey, leaders. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Bye now you are aware that we work with ambitious students every single year to not only help them run their first successful business, but to further their development as a leader and give them an unfair advantage in the future over their counterparts. It's why starting now and only for the next few weeks, we'll be on campuses across Ontario, Quebec, and the East Coast interviewing students who think they have what it takes to start their first business and get started down their path of entrepreneurship. If you think you have what it takes or know someone who might be interested, visit leaderspodcast.ca slash apply and start your application process today. Once again, it's leaderspodcast.ca slash apply. And I can't wait to see you on the other side.